Hello world, I'm Rochelle Indra, a life coach here to teach you the shit they should have taught us in school but didn't. Our society has a vested interest in keeping you stuck and unhappy so that you will try to buy your way out of it. But that's where I come in. I'm here to teach you how to give them all the middle finger. Week by week, I'll share bite-sized strategies on tackling overwhelm, onboarding good habits, creating boundaries, and actionable steps to rewire your brain to actually work for you instead of against you. This is a Soulfire production. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the shit they should have taught us in school but didn't. I'm your host, Rochelle Indra, and today we're going to get into society and why they need you to feel like a bad mother. And we're going to be talking about why society needs us to be this way, how it makes us this way, how it makes us uh, then judge other mothers for being bad mothers so that uh, the shame that we are given by society, we then put on other mothers and then how we get out of this trap. Uh, If you are somebody who knows me and knows my story follow me on TikTok or know me personally, this might seem like somewhat of an odd choice for me to do an episode on because dun, 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 I am not a mother, but I have sort of a unique perspective on this, or (laughs) I'm hoping you'll find it to be a unique perspective as you listen to this episode. I work with mothers all the time. Uh, most of my clients are mothers. So I have that perspective of watching the things that they go through, watching their struggles. And then also being somebody who was not a mother, did not intend to be a mother, and then got into a relationship um, and lived with a man who had two children, a two and three-year-old when I met him, and got instantly thrust into being a full-time mom. Uh, Their mother was not in the picture at the time. And so I was just overnight a full-time mom. And then that ended and I was no longer a mother again. So not having that perspective into boom, seeing what it is to be a full-time mom and then taken out of it again and getting the perspective from other moms. And something I've noticed is this, this shame and guilt around being a mother that we put on ourselves, that society puts on us, and that then we put on other people. And I know that none of us love that feeling of shame that we get from other mothers and noticing the shame that we also put on other mothers. And so I want to start first with society. And it seems ridiculous, right, to say that society wants us to feel like bad mothers. Um, And I'm in no way saying, oh, society wants you to beat your children. Society wants you to neglect your children. Nothing that severe, obviously. But they do want you to have shame around being a mother. And they want this because then you will buy ways out of it. You will buy ways out of being a quote unquote bad mom, of feeling like a bad mother. You are going to buy your children more toys when you feel like you have to keep up with the Joneses. You are going to put them in the right camps. You are going to um, 
you know, put them in the right uh, sports. Oh my God, the money that is spent on sports. Well, that's a whole, could be a whole podcast in itself. In the right classes, you are going to um, always have the most expensive uh, snacks that you could possibly afford, the trendiest clothes to keep up with the other kids. You're going to go on the right vacations and on and on and on it goes. When you feel like a bad mother, you spend more. When you feel like a good mother, when you feel like an aligned mother, when you feel like the mother that you want to be, that you are doing the best that you can do and you rest in that, when you rest in feeling like you are enough as a mother, you don't buy more. You don't buy all the things that society wants to sell you. And I'm not saying you don't buy things. We all buy things, right? We, I'm not saying that if you, if you send your kid to an awesome camp or you buy them toys that you are a bad mother, not at all. Please don't hear that. But the overbuying, the buying that we do from guilt, the spending that we do from, for our children because of that feeling that we have or because we are worried about what other people are going to say about us, how they are going to judge us as a mother is what I'm talking about. So that is why it is in society's best interest that you don't feel like a good mother and how we're going to talk today about how you can get out of that. And so one of the things I want to talk about that happens around this is that we, no matter what you do with your children, I'm sure that you can can feel me on this one, it's never right right? Like how you breastfeed is never right. Uh, what kind of parenting techniques, if you even know what parenting techniques are, right? No matter which kind you use, if you're a helicopter parent, if you're too involved, you, um, you know, if you do the free range parenting, oh my God, you're not even watching your children, like whatever it is. And there's always a new way to parent, right? There's always something new, just like a fad diet. There's always these fad ways of parenting. If you're a good parent, you're going to parent like this, Right now, there's the, the whole thing about like, you never say no to your child. And I'm not here to say whether or not that is good or bad or any of the, the parenting styles, whether they're good or bad. I just want you to notice that like diets, parenting styles and techniques come and go because they can sell you books around them, because they can um, sell you courses around them, because there is so much shame around doing it wrong that there always has to be a next and a next and a next so that you always know you are not doing it right. And so one thing I always think about around this, and when I was a stepmother and um, uh, immediately got thrust into what it is to be judged constantly around this subject. Now, my, um, my partner and I at the time had made a decision for ourselves of how we were going to parent. And I said, well, I think I'm going to be, um, a better sort of quote unquote father figure, um, than I am doing the quote unquote normal mother things. And of course I was putting, um, our, what the roles we were going to do, right. I was making them very gendered. Please know I, I, I hear that in, when I talk about it, I was making very gendered roles. This was many years ago. And, um, 
that was what society told us, right? That there is these things that a father does and there are these things that a mother does. And I said, I, I think I would be better at the quote unquote father role, right? I'm going to make sure they're eating the right um, food. I'm going to buy the all the organic food. I'm going to put them in the right schools. I'm going to plan the right vacations. I'm going to make sure that they're doing the right extracurriculars. I'm going to do all those things and you are going to do the daily stuff, which of course I had put as society trained me to, right? Um, you know, via subliminal messaging through culture, through television, through books, through osmosis of watching other people, right? This idea that the mother, quote unquote, handles the daily, um, the daily things. Uh, he was going to, you know, make sure that they washed them and took them to school and helped with homework and did all that sort of daily stuff. And that worked great for us. We assigned ourselves, as I talk with lots of couples about, is not that they need to be gendered roles. In fact, I, I talk about dismantling the gender roles of what a, the woman um, should do in the relationship or even if you're in a relationship, a non-binary relationship or a uh, same-sex relationship, picking that th- one partner is going to do these things, one partner is going to do that thing and taking gender out of it. But I was still back then thinking very gendered about this. And so I said, I'm going to do sort of the dad roles and um, you can do the sort of mother quote unquote roles. And he was great with that. We were both great with our roles and it was very successful in our relationship. And then boy, did society come along and not allow that. And I say not allow that, but I obviously was the one that fed into that, that believed that I had to do certain things as the quote unquote mother in the relationship. And it was that guilt that was slowly put on me by other mothers um, of, oh, we didn't see you at the birthday party for our kid. Uh, Yeah, we saw your partner. Let's just call him Tom for his privacy. Um, We saw Tom there. Yeah, Tom brought the kids. Where were you? Were you sick? Oh, no. What happened? And I was like, yeah, no, I I was home. just doing other things, right? He was there. They were chaperoned. They weren't going to murder each other or other children with forks. Like, he's the dad. He was watching them. Um, He brought a present. What the fuck else do you need from us? But I slowly let it wear me down. And then this uh, school things, he would go to the parent-teacher conferences. He's a great communicator. He understood the children more than I did. He had them since birth. And he could, in his great communication, relay back to me what the teacher said. But I got the phone call. Oh, we didn't see you at parent-teacher conferences. What happened? You know, we really encourage both parents to be there. You know, if you really want to take an active role in these children's lives, it's important that you show up to these things. And of course, I wanted to say, go fuck yourself. We handle our parenting roles the way we see fit, the way is best for us. We've already had these discussions. We don't need you to put anything on us. Tom got the information that he needed that you relate and came home and relate it to me. But I wasn't as strong then. I didn't know the things I know now. I hadn't rested in who I am um, as a person. I hadn't made good boundaries for myself. And I let those things slowly eat at me until it started to wear me down as a mother and made me feel like, why am I even in this relationship? I'm not even good enough to be their mother. And that is not why the relationship ended, but it was a huge factor 
in that relationship not working out? Was this trying to find myself in being a working mother and um, being a stepmother and, and, and falling into this role and deciding naively who I was going to be at this and then just watching how society um, just chip, 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 chips away at you as a mother. Oh, you do it like that. Oh, that's interesting, right? It's all this passive aggressive bullshit. You guys know me. I am all black and white. Like just fucking say it. Just say you think I'm a bad mom. Just say you think I'm fucking doing it wrong, right? Just come out and say the thing. God, at least that would get me something to fight against than these just little passive aggressive. Oh, isn't that interesting? Oh, well, that's a choice. Oh, you do it like that. Hmm. Wow. I never thought about doing it like that. You know, I mean, talk about wanting to stab people in the neck with a fork. That would have been me had I come to that birthday party. Jesus. So, sorry, it might have been a little personal, too personal of a look um, into my life there. But, you know, it's my podcast, so you'll learn more about me than you probably ever wanted to. But I wanted to reference something, and of course, I just moved, so I cannot find my copy of this book, but it's The Four Agreements by um, Don Miguel Ruiz. And in it, he talks about how at some point, and God, I would love to be able to find this passage, um, but, and I'm going to paraphrase this horribly, but I'm I'm hoping that the point will get across because it has haunted me ever since the first time I read this book. And if you haven't read The Four Agreements, I highly fucking recommend it. Could not recommend it more. The two books I always recommend to every uh, client of mine, every friend, is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz and um, the, uh, the Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. If you listen to my first episode, I talked about that and how amazing it is uh, for disassembling and understanding the ego. Both of these are very short books. I am dyslexic. I will never, ever, ever recommend a book to you that is complicated, hard to read, hard to understand, um, you know, really long without purpose because reading has always been such a challenge to me. So please know that when I recommend a book to you, it is something that I read um, or else I will tell you if I here it's good and haven't read it, but, um, and that I think that it is well worth the time and energy it takes. And so uh, The Four Agreements is one of those books for me. And in it, he talks about how society teaches us sometimes through um, education, sometimes through television, sometimes through the subliminal messaging of just the culture around us, um, sort of that pervasive feeling in the air what is acceptable and what isn't. And sometimes it is just based on rules um, set by society or, you know, being actually policed, right? Certain rules. And that they hammer them into you usually at a young age, right? But at some point there, these are being hammered into you as this is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is bad. And then at some point, they no longer have to hammer it into you because, or punish you, right? Like as a child, you get punished for, you do this wrong, you have punishment, right? And so you start learning, oh, I do this thing and something bad happens. I do this thing, something bad happens, right? That Pavlovian experience of this happens and then that happens. And, you know, you do something as a child and your teacher punishes you or your parents punish you or, you know, you get in trouble with the law or whatever it is. 
But at some point, society no longer has to punish you because you will punish yourself. And you will punish the people around you who are also stepping out of line. Say that again. At some point, society no longer has to punish you for things because you will punish yourself and you will punish the people around you. Right? We are pack mentality animals. So being in a group, having group rules, having everybody police each other is just something that we naturally do. And Great. If, if the society rules are wonderful, then that's perfect, right? We, uh, you know, don't let people harm children. We don't let people harm each other. We don't let people say these things about this person. The, the, you know, there are wonderful rules that we as a society police, right? You, you see somebody abusing a child, you call in, you step in and stop it. There are wonderful ways that we, um, that we police each other, that we police ourselves. We, we don't do things that we are not supposed to do because we know they're bad. And so if we do those things, we punish ourselves. Perfect example. Um, I ran a red light the other day and I knew I was going to do it. It was, I told myself it was going to be an orange squeezer. It totally was not. I, I just ran a fucking red light because I was late and I just thought that that was more important than following the rules, right? There was no cop there to stop me. I did not get in trouble for it. But I punished myself for it for the rest of the day. I kept thinking, God, I can't believe you did that. God, you could have hurt somebody. You know, nothing you have is more important than the actual rules of the road. How could you do that? You think you're so self-important. And I just punished myself and made myself feel so guilty for the rest of the day that I had done this thing. And it's like cars swerved out of the way, right? It wasn't an action movie. It really wasn't that big of a deal. Not that I recommend you go around running red lights, but... We do this. I hope you can see in yourself how often you do this. I'm not going to do this thing because it's wrong, because it's bad, because society will look at me a certain way. We do this all day, every day. And then there are ways that we then put it on other people. And I bring this up big time around being a mother. And please hear me that fathers can also hear this and hear a lot of um, them feeling the same way um, about this. We do not put all of this as much in society on men as we do on women. So that's why I'm specifically talking to um, the women. But please, if you're a man hearing this, if you're a father hearing this, I think you can also take a lot out of this as well. So please know that I am specifically saying um, the mother mothering quote unquote role, but it doesn't mean that it can't be for um, a grandparent listening, a uh, foster parent listening, um, a father listening. So I probably should have said that at the beginning. So I'm sorry about that. When we feel shame, we then judge other people's. Um, Brene Brown has a amazing, a couple amazing quotes I wanted to read to you guys because she does a lot of work around shame. If you don't know Brene Brown, know her, find her, love her. She says, we judge people in areas where we are vulnerable to shame. And then she says, shame is a warm feeling that washes over us, makes us feel small, flawed, and never good enough. And if you follow me on TikTok, you may have seen a TikTok I did about this, but I want to quickly go over for those of you who are not as familiar with this, the difference between guilt and shame. 
Guilt is the idea that I have done something wrong. Shame is the idea that I am wrong. And so society talks a lot about guilt. We don't talk that much about shame. And we all have shame for one thing or another. So I really love Bernays Brown's work on this. And so because society has made us all so susceptible to feeling shame around being a mother, and we feel so vulnerable to that shame, we feel constantly shamed about being a mom, that we then judge other people where we are vulnerable to shame. And one way I like to look at it is um, when you feel something, any emotion so intensely that it takes over your whole body, takes over your whole nervous system, you can feel it in your chest, you can feel it in your arms, you can feel it tightening you up. It's just washes, as she says, washes over you. You end up off-gassing it to others. Now, if what you feel all the time is love and joy and happiness, great. You are off-gassing love and joy and happiness. Wonderful. But if you are feeling pain, sadness, overwhelming grief, overwhelming anger, overwhelming shame, you are off-gassing that to other people. Right, I'm a perfect example of you may have heard in some other podcasts or you uh, follow me on TikTok, you know that I am somebody who's always struggled with anger. And so I've always off, I was so filled with rage, so filled with anger for so many years that I would off gas on other people. You, you did one quick thing to make me mad and oh man, were you going to hear about it? You were going to, I was going to off gas that I was going to give you some of my anger, some of my rage, some of my pain. Right, So that we also have to understand that people are doing that to us. We are off-gassing the emotions that we are feeling. Right, You feel frustration and all of a sudden you yell at your kids. Right, You're off-gassing some of that frustration because you cannot take it all. It's so much. It's overwhelming your nervous system. So you have to give some of it away. So we give it away often to the people we love or to the people who work at you know Starbucks, Right, whatever it is at the moment. So we do this with shame. I don't want to feel shame, so I'm going to shame somebody else. And we don't do it on purpose. We do it subconsciously. I'm worried about being a bad mom all the time. And so I see somebody who I think is a worse mom than me. And so I shame her for it because I feel less shame if I shame somebody else. Now, that doesn't actually work that way. You don't actually get to lessen the burden of your shame. But your ego, that voice in your head, tells you it works. Because for a second it does. For a second there's that adrenaline that says, yeah, yeah, you're worse than me. I'm not that bad because she's terrible, because she's not watching her kid, because she's letting her kid eat Doritos every day, and I only let my kid eat cake last week, so I must be better. I'm going to let her know that she's worse than me. And again, we don't do this consciously. We do this subconsciously. So what's the help for this? Brene Brown talks about grace, that grace for ourselves and other people is how we rid ourselves of shame. I also always remind my clients that shame only exists in the dark. And once you name shame, it goes away or at least lessens. So talking to trusted friend, trusted family member, trusted partner about your shame you feel and being a bad, quote unquote, bad mother, right? Whatever society tells you is being a bad mother, that can lessen it. But Brene Brown talks about grace. She says, grace means 
that all of your mistakes are, are serving a purpose instead of serving shame. I'll say that again. Grace means that all of your mistakes now serve a purpose instead of serving shame. Meaning that when we stumble, when we fall, when we feel like we did something incorrectly, grace means that can be a learning experience for me. That can be something that I learn from instead of something that makes me a bad person. And so in that grace, I want to give us some steps to what can we do to not take on the shame that society wants us to take and to not give it to others. And one is to make really realistic goals about what you want as a mother, who you want to be, what do you value as a mother. And this can be something that you talk to if you are in partnership um, with raising children, if you have a, a partner. This is something that you guys can talk about together. What do we value as, in partnership? Now, I wish that if I had, and when I was in that relationship, where we um, had children, I wish that I could have given myself this advice or somebody else said, why didn't somebody come out with this podcast first? Right? We could have just sat down and said, we are not going to let society tell us how to parent our children. We value the division of labor that we have set out for, for ourselves. And we are when we start to feel shame, we start to feel society pushing in on us, we are going to go back together to our value system. This is what we value. We value the roles that we have put together for ourselves, and we are not going to let society tell us that our roles should be different. So if you have partnership, that's a great thing for you to to discuss. If you do not have partnership, um, this can be something that perhaps um, if you are a single mother, a single parent, this could be something that you have a trusted friend, maybe perhaps also going through this. You can sit down together and talk about what do we value? And it doesn't have to be the same things. You can have very different values. Some um, parents really, I'll have them sit down and they'll, they'll decide, you know what? I really value time with my child. Okay, great. So if time together is really valuable, then maybe you don't put your kid in so many camps. Maybe you don't have them doing extra hobbies or extracurricular activities, sports. And so you don't let those influences say, oh, is your kid in the right camp? Oh, what sport does your kid play? All this bullshit. You, because you know your value, what you value as a family, you don't have to let that in. You know what? We actually, we value more time together than we do sports. And the reverse can also be true, right? If you're somebody who values, who grew up never getting to uh, try out any hobbies and um, you always wanted to play a sport and your kid really likes the sport and so you value those extracurricular activities for your kids, then great. Then that is also wonderful. Please don't ever hear that I have any judgment on what you choose to value in your family, in your family system. I have no value judgment on that. You get to decide whatever it is for you. If you're in partnership or if you are a single parent, you get to decide that. The other way that I, so first starting with, you know, trusting somebody with talking about your shame, if you can, if you have that ability. Um, And by the way, if you don't have any human person in your life that you can do that with, no friend, no uh, parent, no partnership, you know, coach, therapist. You can talk to your pet about it. You can talk to your house plan about it. Sometimes just getting it out, talking it out um, with whatever you have, whoever you have in your life that means something to you, go for it. 
Um, I don't ever want to undermine that connection because I, had a, as a single woman, had a dog and I would talk out all sorts of stuff with him. So talking out that shame that you feel um, and then figuring out what you really value. And the other one is setting that reticular activator in the back of your brain, which is a web-like system, web-like system um, of cells in the back of your brain that decides what you focus on. And if you are in my membership, uh, you, you know that starting in May, that is going to be the reticular activating system in the back of your brain is going to be what we are going to be focusing on for the whole month. It is incredibly powerful. So um, if you want to learn more about this, you may want to join that membership. But very briefly, we're going to talk about here, whatever you, when you first wake up in the morning, that reticular activating system is looking or what to focus on for the day, which is why if you see, um, if you're thinking about buying a red car, right, you think a lot about buying this red car, all of a sudden you see red cars everywhere, right? That's not woo-woo. Um, that's not witchcraft. That is neuroscience. That is a reticular activating system in your brain. And so if you are somebody who thinks constantly about being a bad mother, then you are asking your reticular activating system to look for ways you are a bad mother, times you are a bad mother, potential for you to be a bad mother. Fuck, you don't even have to be a bad mother. Your ego will spin out and look for ways where you possibly may be a bad mother. So you can't even win, right? Even if you're not doing the wrong thing, you are fantasizing about being a bad mother. And it's also looking, dun, 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 for ways that other people are bad moms. So rewiring your brain to look for ways you and the people around you are good mothers or good parents or good grandparents. I hope that makes sense. But if you start focusing on the good things that you are doing, the good things that other people are doing, then your reticular activating system is always looking for that. And that is always the reinforcement that you get. I wanted to, before we left, share a little story with you. When I was um, a mom, I was going to therapy. <sighs> we all need therapy, but oh my God, did I need therapy when I was a mother? Oh, lordy, lordy. Did I uh, love going to my weekly therapy sessions? And I thrust open the door and I throw my hands in the air and I go, oh my God, I am a terrible mother. I have to tell you this story. I am the worst mother. And she just smiled and said, no, you're not. And I was like, what? I was like, yeah, no, yes, I am. I'm a terrible mother. Let me tell you this story. She just smiled again and said, you're not a bad mom. I said, you haven't even heard the story yet. You need to hear the story before you tell me I'm not a bad mom. How can you say that? And she just looked at me and said, because only good moms worry about being bad moms. Bad moms never worry about being bad moms. You worry all the time that you're a bad mom. So I know that you're a good mom. And I eventually got myself to a place where I didn't even have to worry about that at, anymore because I was doing the best I could. And I'm not to say that I didn't still have those feelings sometimes. 
but I was setting my reticular activator to look for the good, to notice that society was against me, but that I could persevere because I knew the truth, because I was doing the best I could. And you are doing the very best you can. I promise you that. I love you. Thanks for listening, fam. See you soon. So there you have it. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode and follow me at Coach Rochelle Indra on TikTok and Instagram.